0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Quiet Storm. Here where it's going on in the DMs. And as you know, I'm the chocolate behind the sexual chocolate here to please with your every need. So I just want y'all to know, if you ready to shoot your shot, and you feeling kind of froggy and you want to jump, well, you know. As the lovely Dana Brooke and the incredible animal known as Batista say, go ahead and go for it, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to yet another episode of Life's a Bots. You already know what time it is, baby. It's your boy, Highlight Real, a.k.a. The Prince of Botch, baby. Now, as you know, I know we kind of missed y'all on last week. But, you know, don't worry. I thought about y'all, you know. I thought about y'all. Anytime we take that little week hiatus or two-week hiatus, just know. We're thinking about y'all. I know it's a lot of wrestling news that we got to get into. You know, I didn't get to cover Survivor Series like I wanted to for you guys. but Don't worry, we're going to get all of that into this nice, packly tight show. But I'm your host, and I'm here. And it's so great to have all of my listeners here with me. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to OTS. We at it again. And we, uh, we living, baby. We living. And we live. So, without further ado... Let's go ahead and kick this baby off. Let's go ahead and go into some wrestling news, some wrestling news. And then uh, we'll kind of recap on past week's worth of wrestling action. So let's go ahead and start with the biggest headline of the week. The biggest headline of the week is Johnny Impact a.k.a. John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Nitro, a.k.a. Johnny Wrestling. So many different names and titles for Johnny. But nonetheless, John Morrison, who most of you might know him by that name, from his WWE stint, the first go-round, John Morrison has officially signed to the WWE. Now, which brand has John Morrison signed with? That still remains in question, but it is official He tweeted it himself, as did all of your favorite wrestle sites around the country. They have reported that John Morrison has indeed signed a deal with the WWE. So, let's just say, it's great to have you back, Johnny Boy. And uh, hopefully this time we don't have any Melina drama, if you know what I mean. You know, seeing as how, well, (laughs) he's not with her anymore. Last time we saw him in WWE, well, let's just say... The guy we're going to get into that we just talked about in the intro kind of had a little thing going on with his last girl. And, uh, yeah, kind of resulted in some backstage heat. Got her released, got him released. And then he went on to other promotions like Impact and TNA, for those who also forget Impact Wrestling, nonetheless. Uh, He went to Lucha Underground and AAA and just a little bit of everywhere around the wrestling world. I even think he went to Japan a few times and basically made a big name for himself on the indie market, on the wrestling scene. And uh, now he's back home in the WWE. Should be interesting to see him in this go-round. Last time we saw him was 2011, and well, a lot has changed since those 2011 days. So, let's see how he does in today's era. I know there will be tons of dope dream matches we get to see, such as him and Seth Rollins, him and AJ Styles... Berto Carillo for my Latino brothers and sisters out there, you know, who, you know, really rock with him, you know, whatever. Uh, So many. I mean, WWE has so much crazy talent right now that, you know, and dare I say, if he even finds his way to NXT, which really he won't. But who knows? You never know. We could see a lot of dope dream matches like Adam Cole and all kind of stuff. So, Johnny, welcome back to the WWE It is so good to have you. That being said, let's move on to the next set of wrestling news. My boy Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is currently still inactive. He is still rehabbing from his injury to his thumb, I believe. He had a nice thumb injury that's keeping him out of action. So in the meantime, until he's fully recovered, you guys may have recently seen him on WWE backstage doing a couple of appearances on there with Fox. WWE has been so impressed with his work on there that they decided to officially bring him over to the Monday night raw commentary team. And, uh, yeah, Monday night raw has been a lot better on the commentary side since Samoa Joe has actually stepped onto that booth. Not going to lie. Now, Dio Madden, you guys might wonder, well, what about him? He was on the commentary team before, you know, Brock Lesnar gave him that biz and kind of F five him through that table. Uh, What happened to Dio Madden? Well, glad you asked. He actually decided to go back to the performance center in WWE Orlando, and he's going to continue to train as a wrestler and go to being a wrestler full time. So you have not seen the last of Dio Madden. Kind of no surprise, given how that angle with him and Brock Lesnar went. The fact that he got in Brock Lesnar's face and he's really bigger than Brock Lesnar, it's kind of interesting to see where he's going to go with that because now he's going to be training and when he's ready for the main roster I guess they're going to immediately put him in that angle to try to get a little revenge on Brocky boy you know so that'll be a very interesting to see so congrats to Dio Madden on going back to full-time wrestling and congrats to Samoa Joe for man being Samoa Joe I mean there's nothing you can't do for this man that he won't be great at. I mean, he's great in the ring and we all know he's great on the mic, so commentary is man, that's at the tip of his tongue, man. That's nothing to this guy. But uh, major congrats, Samoa Joe. Okay, now here's a name if I could be serious for a minute. Here's a name you guys might remember from the Attitude Era days. Very underrated wrestler who didn't have much charisma but could wrestle like crazy. Lance Storm. Yes, Lance Storm has recently closed his wrestling school. His wrestling training school is officially closed because he is now working as a producer for the WWE. His wrestling academy went on to train so many, so many indie talent and so many great talent who you actually see both in WWE and even AEW to this day. Um, So Lance Storm, congrats on the um, promotion if you will, and being a part of the producing team for WWE. Uh, But it's a shame that he had to close the wrestling school because I mean, he definitely was a great in-ring talent back in his day. And it would be very awesome to learn some things from him. But Hey, when one door closes, as they say, another one opens and we'll see you next time, my friend. Now, I want to give a special congratulations to see if I can do my impression. Ah, yes, 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 Matt Hardy, in the broken universe, the Matt Hardy family has gotten a new edition, a new rendition to the Matt Hardy family. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Matt Hardy, once again, has given birth, I'm sorry, well, really, forgive me, Rebbe. Technically, you have given birth, but Rebby Sky and Matt Hardy have welcomed a third addition to their family. They now have B.H.K. Hardy. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that B stands for Barty. There we go. Barty Hardy is the third addition to the Hardy family. So... We extend our congratulations to Matt Hardy. Looks like he went for the triple threat, if you will. So that definitely is going to be an interesting household. Looks like Jeff might have to get one more. If Jeff gets one more, that means they'll have a total of six apiece. Or, I'm sorry, three apiece and then six total. There's my botch for the day, folks. Nonetheless, if the two of them, because let's see, Jeff, I believe, has two daughters. Matt now has... Three sons. So, if Jeff manages to get one more girl, or dare I say, even a boy, they could make an interesting Hardy stable in about 20 years. Hopefully, Life's a Botch is still running by then. That would be a very awesome thing to cover. I'm not going to lie. Nonetheless, congratulations to the Hardy family on the new addition to your family. Speaking of new additions to the family, Let's go on to a former WWE diva in Stacy Keebler. Stacey Keebler also is con- expecting her third child as well. Man, there's a whole lot of trifectas going on right about now, man. It's raining threes. And Steph Curry ain't even playing on the court right now. This is crazy. Nonetheless, Stacy Keebler is having her third child. She has an older daughter she has a son, and now it looks like they didn't really mention the gender of the new child, but they do have a third child on the way. So, congrats to Miss Stacy Keebler, who, by the way, with three kids, still looks very, very amazing. So, shout out to you. Now, <clears throat> Adam Cole, baby! So, news reports that Adam Cole is about to cash in big next summer. Why, you may ask? Well... Uncle Dave, Dave Meltzer, to those who don't know Uncle Dave. He's a longtime writer and reporter for the WWE who used to have a lot of inside accurate tips, but lately he's been a little inaccurate with some of his news. So that's kind of why we call him Uncle Dave out of respect. He's a legend in the media world. You know, he was kind of doing the podcasting thing for wrestling way before it was a thing. So, yeah, Life's a Botch probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for a guy like Dave Meltzer. However... Recently, he's been a little on and off with his wrestling news. But in this instance, looks like he's about right. So he reports that um, Adam Cole's contract is going to run out this upcoming August in 2020. Now, to those who don't know, Adam Cole is very, very highly tied in with the elite, a.k.a. the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, AEW, you know, that ring a bell, guys. Well looks like they're going to try to pitch really, really, really hard for Adam Cole to kind of jump ship and make his way over to AEW. Now, there are some things to take in consideration knowing that. His girlfriend, Britt Baker, is kind of, sort of, currently over there. Now, when you take into account the fact that he's in NXT, he doesn't have the travel schedule that main roster talent usually has, so people who are on SmackDown and Raw who are always traveling left and right. Adam Cole being an NXT brand member, you know, he doesn't have to travel as much. However, he is still on somewhat of a WWE type of schedule. Now, AEW has their light schedule. They don't really do many, if any, live shows right now outside of, you know, the main show they do, Dynamite, and AEW Dark, which is really kind of what dynamite is it's a tape show It's just matches we don't see on television that air later on tuesdays so aew's got a lighter schedule and again when your girlfriend is in the same promotion it would make sense if he really gives some strong thought and to jump and ship over to aew however it's kind of one of those things where you're like well triple h i'm sure does him pretty good He doesn't have to deal with Vince McMahon's antics. So one would make you ponder when that time comes closer, what exactly will Adam Cole do? And if you ask me, I wouldn't be surprised if he does jump ship over to AEW. Again, we've seen Britt Baker at a lot of his shows. And, I mean, when we get into Survivor Series and War Games a little later, you'll see what I mean. I mean, AEW recently just kind of did a little mimic of uh, his girlfriend, Britt Baker, reacting with her hands over her her mouth in shock. And they just did another re-indition of that where she was sitting in the crowd and had her hands over her mouth in shock. Kind of like she did when she watched her boyfriend get pretty much put through a table coming all the way off of a, I believe, what, 10 foot, 11 foot steel cage, something like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But knowing WWE, when it comes to their talent, we know that they do whatever they can to secure their talent and keep them and extend them for five years Uh, So they're going to definitely come pretty hard at Adam Cole knowing this information. They're going to try to throw all the money in the world they can at him. And uh, we'll see if it's successful. Nonetheless, Adam Cole, baby, your fan base is going to follow you wherever you end up, no matter what. Now, speaking of AEW and NXT, well, let's just say in the ratings war... NXT actually beat AEW for the past two weeks. Well, recently, AEW just reclaimed their throne and they actually beat NXT this week but only by a narrow 6,000 viewers. AEW ended up with 8,851,000 and NXT ended up with 845,000. So... It's kind of one of those things where you can now say the hype of AEW is slowly cooling off, and now it's getting back to a bit of a 50-50 kind of race. Wrestling fans still win in this aspect. Why? Well, because you have many, many options of wrestling to watch. If you don't care for WWE or you like NXT, but because it's WWE, you really don't associate with it much, you probably watch AEW. Or maybe you just watch NXT and not Raw or SmackDown, and you like AEW. Nonetheless, maybe you like NWA power. Maybe you like some of these other events. Nonetheless, what's cool about the world of wrestling is there's a lot of options right now outside of WWE. And uh, so AEW's hype has died down a bit. Still a good show. Still a fun show to watch. Still a lot of improvement for them to do. But I will say this about AEW, regardless of what happens, for these guys to even not only beat a WWE-branded show in NXT, but to even just go head-to-head with them, and they haven't even really been a company for a full-fledged year yet, still pretty impressive, if you ask me. So uh, let the ratings wars continue. Good job, AEW, for reclaiming your throne. Let's see who wins it on next. Okay, now, after December 18th, NXT will be off for Christmas and New Year's, meaning if you were looking forward to watching AEW and WWE NXT on the Wednesday Night Wars for the holidays, well, let's just say that's not going to happen now. So, hey, good news. If you're an NBA fan, that just means you can watch the NBA games and not have to worry about it. All right, that being said, enjoy your time off NXT because you definitely enjoy it. You guys definitely earned it after working not only your own brand, but throughout the Survivor Series feud, you managed to basically raw work raw, SmackDown, and NXT back to back to back to back to back on top of Survivor Series and War Games. So yeah, it's it's well deserved for them. And AEW, well, their schedule's not as heavy, so of course you already knew those guys and girls were going to be off for the Christmas holidays. So again, for the world of wrestling, have no fear. You can always just catch up on episodes you missed, or I'm sure there'll be some indie promotions that'll still do a little something for Christmas. Watch that, or like I said, there's the NFL, playoffs will be coming up soon, and the NBA, as you know, Christmas games, Christmas matchups. So yeah. That'll hold you over until they return in the following year. All right. Let's see if there was anything else left to report. Oh, yes. So, on Corey Graves' After the Bell podcast, Kofi revealed that Daniel Bryan was actually the one who pushed for Kofi to face him at WrestleMania. So, he went on to say, Daniel Bryan pushed for that to happen. The plans weren't for me to be at WrestleMania. I'm not sure who it was for Daniel to face, but Daniel went in and he went to bat for me and the situation and the title match for us to happen. He had a big part in it, too. It's a testament to his state of mind as far as advancing the business and doing the right thing for people and best product. Big E also praised Brian by adding, I give a lot of credit to Daniel Bryan, who I think is legitimate, like a generational talent. It meant so much more because Brian was so hot and Brian is just so darn good in the ring, on the mic, and with his character. He was so giving with the build to the story that it meant more, he said. So, let me just take this moment to give a round of applause to you, sir, Daniel Bryan Seat. I can tell that man is such a beautiful human being on the inside. And all that did was make me love Daniel Bryan that much more than I already did. Now, if you've ever watched him on Total Divas or Total Bellas, and you've seen him with his wife, Brie Bella, and you've seen, of course, his family and things like that, you can tell he's just naturally such a great guy anyway. But what I love about him is the fact that he was willing to point out Kofi. He could have faced anybody in the world. But the fact that he wanted to face Kofi at WrestleMania and allow Kofi to not only face him at WrestleMania, but even go over him and win the WWE championship, that says a lot. And to those who don't understand, much like the music business, much like really any business in general, wrestling is a very dirty business at times. When you're on top and you're the main guy or the main girl, sometimes you don't want to put people over. Example, Shawn Michaels. Back in his younger days, Shawn Michaels was pretty much a jerk, and he would be one of the first to tell you that. Him and Undertaker could not stand each other back in the day. And that guy, and don't get me started on him and Bret Hart with the real-life rivalry they had, Shawn Michaels was one that didn't really like putting over people. And when he was that guy, he felt like, I'm that guy. Okay? Then you can go towards The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, who are real friends. They're good friends to this day, love and respect for each other. But at that time, in their heydays, when they were going back and forth in the main event, man, look, as awesome as that rivalry was to us and always will be to us, backstage, those two, they knew and they were aware that they were the top two guys in that company. So you bet they brought the best out of each other to go back and forth just to be the man for their prospective company. You see what I'm saying? So... Going back to Daniel Bryan, where I basically say is, with Kofi being obviously African-American, knowing that WWE had not seen not one African-American champion, at least since The Rock. And I mean, yeah, to you guys listening, there was Booker T and Mark Henry, but they were world heavyweight champion, not WWE champion. There is a difference. So when it comes to WWE champion or WWF, you include The Rock because he is half black. Of course, we know that. But for Kofi to be the first fully African-American and African-born WWE champion, that only came because of the fan base and Daniel Bryan and what you just found out. For that, Daniel Bryan, I totally salute you, sir. I applaud you. I respect you. And I love you that much more because as we're really getting towards the end of this year, Kofi's WWE Championship win at WrestleMania is honestly my number one favorite moment, not just in pro wrestling, but in life in this entire year. Just knowing that moment alone that we had a black WWE champion on top representing the company for a number of months, I believe six months, to me shows that that right there is is just downright amazing. And so for that, I salute you, Daniel Bryan. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> All right. So moving on to our final bit of wrestling news. It's going to go back into that intro, that that fancy, nice little intro you guys probably would have got a kick out of. You see, there's been a lot of uh, hooking up going on lately. And uh, let's just say what goes down in the DM, as uh, Brother Yo said, When it goes down in the DM, it definitely goes down. So, recently, Dave Batista and WWE Women's Superstar Dana Brooke have been trading tweets with each other for some days, I I believe even weeks now. They've been trading some... uh, very friendly conversation amongst each other i believe dave batista started it so he posts a picture and it's him you know decked out he got a jacket on and some glasses with his shirt obviously off and he's chilling in front of this very high expensive looking car and it's in black and white. You know, he, he low-key kind of looked like a little bit of a sugar daddy. But, you know, hey, that's that's Batista for you, man. Hey, he cool in my book. Homeboy got the swag for sure. Now, he sits there, and he basically ats Dana Brooke, and then he puts dot, 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 and he says, sup, and puts little eye emojis. And so Dana Brooke then quickly replies, and let me see, what was her picture remark? Uh, she replied, I forgot what her picture looked like in her first reply, but she replied and she's like, uh, nothing much. How about you? And so then they just go back and forth. Batista starts replying, and he's like, Uh, you know, he has a shirt he has a picture where it just shows him with his shirt off. You don't see his face, you just see his abs and his muscles and tattoos. And he's like, uh, you know, just sitting here with my arms up. And she goes back and he's like, and she's like, yeah, I see you and this and that. And next thing you know, Dana Brooke posts a picture or video of her, you know, doing like, uh, it basically has a close up on her backside and she's doing like these little push ups. And Batista's like, I see you've been working out. And she's like, well, yeah, I do work out. And Man, let's just say the way this conversation was headed, it was pretty much the juiciest thing that WWE has ever done, and they're not even really behind this. I mean, they're taking advantage of it now because it's gone so public that they're incorporating this as if they had something to do with it. But need not mind you, Batista just retired earlier this year at WrestleMania, so... This completely has nothing to do with WWE. It just so happens to be WWE related because Batista was a former WWE superstar who just retired, and Dana Brooke is a current talent in WWE. So, yeah, their conversation went so viral that with all of those interesting sexual context-like tweets they had, basically it trumped any and everything that Bobby Lashley, Lana, and Rusev had going on with their angle. And I'll get to that in a second because uh, let's just say I was, uh, yeah, I was kind of seeing a little bit of that in person recently, but we'll get to that later. So I basically mentioned that wrestling news just to let you guys know that, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen... What have we learned from the recent events of this interesting Twitter like sexual conversation between Batista and Dana Brooke? Well, it's simple. Fellas and ladies, so you see someone you're feeling and you feel the need to shoot a little shot. Now, don't go about this until you absolutely positively know he or she is single. And once you know that part, go ahead and shoot your shot. I mean, what can go wrong? What's the matter? You know, I mean, based off of those two, seems to be working out pretty well. Now you may think, well, that's a one in a million chance, Highlight. How are we going to be able to shoot our shot? Well, you can't make a shot that you don't attempt to shoot. And you can't shoot what you don't miss. So, hey, go for it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you just got to make it happen. So, ladies and gents, act like you got some sense. (laughs) Little Andre 3000 quota for you. But nonetheless, go for it, man. Shoot your shot. You might get lucky and end up like these two. And then on top of that, you might even be viral in the process. That does go for some of those celebrities out there listening. All right. (laughs) That being said, let's go ahead and uh, recap Survivor Series really quickly in a brief way. Uh, Before even Survivor Series, I'm going to go into war games and just say NXT has done it. Once again, they have basically given you guys one heck of an incredible show. As you know, NXT Always outshines WWE. And this Survivor Series angle was definitely probably the coolest in quite some time. The fact that NXT was able to pretty much invade Raw and SmackDown, albeit it was very repetitive because it kept happening week after week after week. It still was cool just to see matchups we didn't think we'd see for quite some time if at all now i want to say that nxt is the true mvp because of the fact that they pretty much outworked everyone on the main roster in smackdown and raw they pretty much tore the house down on their own shows their own pay-per-view and then they went on the survivor series and they pretty much made that pay-per-view what It really was. Out of the big four pay-per-views this year, from SummerSlam to Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, I'm going to be honest. Survivor Series won the battle for this year. Out of that big four crop of pay-per-views for WWE, Survivor Series definitely, in my book, took the cake. Just off of NXT's interaction alone. Now, like I said earlier, WrestleMania is a close second because of the fact that Kofi, did win that WWE Championship. So, because of that moment, I will say WrestleMania came in a close second just off that moment alone. However, Survivor Series took the cake. So, uh, you know, I won't recap match for match. The show was too long to really do that. I will just say the best part of NXT War Games was definitely the women's war games match the men's war games match was dope as well I mean just off the ending with Tommaso Ciampa on top of the cage with Adam Cole on his back jumping off the cage and putting that man through a table I mean you can't get oh holy ish than that I mean wow that was definitely an incredible moment and a nice way to end an incredible crazy chaotic match But the women take it home for me because, once again, women's wrestling has shown that it can do anything the guys do, if not better. And on top of that, it shows, once again, they have trailblazed and they have made history and done a first. What was so crazy about the war games for the women was the fact that, A, it opened up the show. Personally, I thought it was going to main event that show, and I thought it should have, but it's cool it served its purpose and it did it did not let anyone down. Now, what was crazy about it was the story that it told. Now, I saw this coming from a long way. I knew my girl, who I still love, even as a hill, Miss Dakota Kai. I knew eventually a hill turn was coming from her. Just off the fact that when they were picking teams, Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley, when they were picking the teams and you know for their War Games match. Once Dakota Kai was not chosen, I knew automatically, I was like, Yep, she chose her tag team partner and her best friend, Tegan Knox, but she didn't pick Dakota Kai. Yep. Sounds like a potential heel turn to me. And ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what we got. So Basically, Tegan Nox is pretty much the last one to wait to come out of the cage. Dakota Kai gets the next call. And before then, really, she wasn't even supposed to be in the match because she wasn't chosen. Mia Yim was actually chosen, but she got attacked in the back, and we don't really know who attacked her. So because of that result, while Mia Yim was carted off to the hospital... Rhea Ripley had no choice but to pick Dakota Kai to be a part of her team. So Dakota Kai, once she got her turn, you know, because basically to those don't who don't watch NXT or who have never heard of war games, basically it's two rings put together. It was, it was really popular in WCW. That's kind of where it came from. WWE basically know that they have the rights to WCW and their matches and pay-per-view names and all of that. So that's kind of why they brought it back even though Cody Rhodes is trying to get that back so that he can have that in AEW. But we all know that's probably not going to happen just because, well, they're competition, regardless of that, basically two rings are merged together and you have a double sided steel cage kind of deal. Uh, and it's, it's really incredible how they do it. I mean, it it, it is definitely a match that you must watch Not just in the recent forms with NXT. I believe this is the third or fourth one they've done since they brought it back. But go back and watch some of the WCW ones as well with Dusty Rhodes and all of them in the past, man. Like Sting, you name it. Those matches were classic and they were very, very iconic. If you have the WWE Network, you can watch them in the WWE archives uh, or you can just simply YouTube it. Either or, check out those uh, classic and present War Games matches. Now, that being said, after that, let's see. So, yeah, Dakota Kai basically does one of the best. I I will say she had the best female heel turn all year. Out of any heel turn this year for the women, I would say hers is the number one. Even over my girl Sasha Banks when she came back after her long hiatus that she had when she came back and she was a heel I will say definitely Dakota Kai trumped that. Um, nonetheless, she basically comes out and she was gonna run to the ring. And then before she even did it, she looks over at her best friend, Tegan Knox, runs inside while the cage door is still open, kicks her and beats her down. Uh, you know, as you know, T- Tegan Knox has uh, knee braces on her knees because she had two ACL surgeries. So she attacks those and uh, yeah, basically the women's war games match ended up being four women against two and uh, the two women actually ended up winning. So that was the part that was like, oh snap, that's shocking. I didn't expect that to happen, but I I liked that it happened. More importantly, the fact that Rhea Ripley actually pinned Shayna Baszler, who's the current reigning NXT Women's Champion, which, by the way, the seeds are planted for that. They will be going against each other in two weeks on December the 18th for the NXT Women's title. My money's on Rhea. I think that's where she takes it home. I thought they were going to probably wait till the next takeover to do it. But if you think about it, the next takeover won't be until, I believe, Royal Rumble. And so that's a nice little ways from now. So might as well go ahead and let it happen now. That way, Shayna Baszler can just debut uh, probably at Royal Rumble, make her debut to the main roster, and then get the rematch at the next takeover and then lose and all that good stuff. So, that was pretty much the highlight for me about NXT War Games. Great pay per view. Not going to go match by match on this because it's a compression episode. But yeah, let me know what your thoughts were. Let me know what y'all thought about War Games. Same thing with Survivor Series. Survivor Series, what basically stuck out to me on that show was the men's Survivor Series match, which was very, very dope. Um, I will say a lot of people had their mixed emotions about the whole the whole, since it was three brands against each other, the fact that they did with the teams, the five man teams, they did five versus five versus five. Some didn't like that because they felt like it was a cluster. And I could understand that, but I kind of like what they did right there. I mean, yeah, it can be a cluster when you see a lot of bodies on the aprons, but the fact that it was three versus three versus, you know, kind of like that. I like the fact that they did five versus five versus five, but they would have one representative from each brand in the ring at the same time, kind of triple threat style in a way. So, I thought it was pretty unique. It was different. I don't know if they're going to do that same thing next year. We shall wait and see. But I kind of liked it. So it was what it was. But that match with the men was definitely the best match out of all of them. And there were a lot of good ones. But that was the best one because of the emotion. I mean, outside of the whole rapid elimination thing that they always do in these elimination matches, when it got down to Seth Rollins representing Raw, Roman Reigns representing SmackDown, and Keith Lee, my man Keith Lee, representing NXT. A lot of people thought, I know I thought, Tommaso Ciampa was probably going to be the guy representing NXT, like the last guy standing. I even thought maybe if not him, probably Matt Riddle. But Keith Lee, man, what a push this man is getting I have been waiting for this man to get a push because the fact that this man is as big as he is, as powerful as he is, and as agile as he is, it's about time this man got a push. I have been waiting because for a while, man, this man was just sitting in the back and you almost forgot he was even on the roster. And now we're finally getting to see him utilized. the fact that him and Roman Reigns tore the house down one-on-one after he eliminated Seth Rollins cleanly, might I add, one, two, three. So Seth Rollins put him over, and Keith Lee didn't really get put over by Roman Reigns, of course. But come on now. if you, You're not going to expect him to eliminate both Roman and Seth. The fact that he eliminated Seth was already a win-win. And just the fact that he went toe-to-toe with Roman Reigns and it was a head-to-head battle phenomenal man so props to you roman reigns for making keith lee look good and props to keith lee for making roman look good and man you guys tore it down i would love to see more of that in the future uh if vince doesn't go you know big man crazy the way he likes to do we'll see what happens in the future but that's pretty much my thoughts on survivor series and war games and uh yeah, man. I mean, Raw is Raw. I mean, what do you guys want me to say when it comes to Raw? Raw is just, it's not good, man. It's, 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 you find little bright spots or you try to, but Raw is kind of a bore out of the three shows. I mean, at least with SmackDown, it's not great. But it's a lot better than Raw is right now. But Raw is trying to some degree. In time, I don't know. You know, I try not to be the complainer, per se. I will complain if needed. But I try not to be complaining. I try to be the positive guy, You know, just to say, okay, there were some bright spots here and there. But uh, nonetheless, with NXT, with uh, Raw and with SmackDown these past couple of weeks... Eh, it was what it was. Like I said, man, I'm I'm kind of over the whole Bobby Lashley, Lana and Rusev Angle. The only thing that's good about it is at least now with Rusev actually fighting back this time, it's he's over, you know? He's over again and he he always was. So, I don't necessarily know if this leads to a championship match of any kind for him, seeing as how his contract is almost up and it seems like he's pretty much all but out the door pretty soon i doubt it's really gonna lead them anywhere i'm pretty sure that they're gonna drag this angle as long as they need to until that contract expires and lana and rusev both depart wwe and go to aw ring of honor new japan pro wrestling or dare i say even impact wrestling i don't know future is bright though rusev is too talented and too over to be used the way he's been used so we'll see what happens for him in the future all right so smackdown let's see smackdown i'm gonna be honest with you guys man i've been trying to watch ron smackdown it's been a little tough for me these days i've been trying but it's been good. Now I will say I want to talk about Impact wrestling for a second if I can. Impact wrestling. I want to give props to you guys because <laughs> whatever y'all did last Tuesday night when y'all were mimicking I guess NWA Power, that was uh very interesting. It was it was cool. Like at first I was like, what am I watching? Am I watching Impact wrestling right now? I couldn't believe it because I was like, am I watching the same show? But when I noticed and I looked at, you know, the talent like Jordan Grace and Sammy Callahan and all these other good people that I saw, I realized, nope, this is definitely impact wrestling. They're just mimicking NWA power. It was really cool what they did, how they did it. Those characters they created, like the Rough Riders with all the women, all four of the women, Jordan Grace, Tessa Blanchard, uh, Jessica Havoc, and I forget the other girl. But when they did that, that was was pretty awesome. I like that. The Rough Riders should definitely be a real thing because that was pretty dope what they did with those ladies. But uh, nonetheless, I really enjoyed what they did. Because NW, it, it, it kind of, in a way, it shows that NWA Power is definitely changing the game with the whole studio style, the throwback studio style of wrestling and characters and stuff like that. So the fact that Impact is you know took the time to mimic that for a day or an episode, I thought that was pretty awesome. That was pretty sweet. So props to you, Impact. You guys did well on that. Um, but yeah, so AEW... What I'm going to say about AEW is that, well, as you know, Full Gear is the next pay-per-view. And they're only going to do four pay-per-views a year. So they're taking it old school, and I understand the methods of what they're doing. The only thing is, I guess, because of how much WWE has basically hammered and spoiled us with pay-per-views. It's kind of one of those things where you're like, well, four pay per views is cool and it definitely allows you to build up storylines a lot better and easier. But my issue is, at the same time, you don't really have many go home shows. So there's some flaws to AEW right now. Like lately, they've kind of lost me a little bit. Jericho, of course, is Jericho. He's amazing, he's killing it. I love seeing uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, to those of you who may wonder who that is. Um, it's cool seeing him, you know, kind of be like a a mixture of Stone Cold Steve Austin and, dare I say, Mick Foley. Uh, he's kind of like a mixture of those two right now. Like, he's just doing the crazy stuff, hardcore stuff, but also just on a rampage. You know what I mean? So... The fact that him and Chris Jericho are on a collision course for that AEW title at some point, I can't wait because I feel like Moxley is definitely the guy that will probably take that title off of Jericho, but hopefully it doesn't happen soon because Jericho is definitely killing it with the title. Yes, he just turned 50 years old, people. Yes, they have a 50-year-old world heavyweight champion, but however... What y'all don't understand is the man is killing it, even at 50 years old. He's making a lot of them 20- and 30-year-olds look like, well, rookies. <laughs> so that being said, Jericho, le champion. Uh, keep doing your thing, man, because you you are definitely killing it. You are pure comical for AEW. Definitely one of the best things on AEW television. Uh, along with the inner circle, they're, they're, they're getting there, you know, they're, they're developing their own individual personality. So they're getting there, you know, they're not on Jericho's level yet, but they're, they're getting there. So when you get, when you hang around Jericho long enough, I'm pretty sure it'll rub off on you. Sammy Guevara is already kind of developing that, 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 you know, he's starting to find himself pretty, pretty foundly. So that's nice to see. And, uh, you know, PMP they'll be right behind them and good old Jack Hager I mean you know hey psh, we already know he's just bad he's he's a bad guy anyway so it's yeah they they're getting there um with AEW I guess my issue with them is just for one that women's division really needs a lot of work AEW's women's division was supposed to be one of their promising divisions I thought and right now, I'm I'm pretty disappointed in it. I mean, they definitely have some talent that's like, ooh, I like her. Uh, I like her. But there's a lot of other women where you're like, who is she? Where did she come from? And I don't care for her because she's not really appealing to me right now. And it's not a looks thing. It's just sometimes it's a character thing. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe they can wrestle. But if they don't have looks and a good character, you're not going to care too much. So... That women's division definitely needs some work. Their face is likely Britt Baker, who I mentioned earlier is Adam Cole's girlfriend. They're making her the face, the John Cena, if you will, or, or you know even the Charlotte Flair of the company. But she's got a long way to go because she's still very green. She's also kind of halfway in there because when she's not wrestling, she's basically being a actual legit dentist. Her actual career of being a dentist is incorporated with her actual wrestling gimmick. Say what you will about that. I hope eventually that kind of changes and they separate the two, but we'll see. Um, But yeah, the women's division needs a lot of work. The tag division is doing relatively well. Uh, We'll just see what happens as it goes along. And uh, I'm just waiting for them to get another mid-card title. That, that's all they need, because a lot of those talents that you can tell are good, but they aren't main-event level kind of good. They need that mid-card title now to to make some of those feuds a little more juicy. Uh, so when that comes, I'm sure it will, but it probably won't come right away. But when it comes, AEW will be even better. Personally, between them and NXT, albeit I love both shows. I think NXT, even though they did lose the ratings war technically this week, I think they're still technically the better show of the two. But AEW is definitely a great show. So, you know, it is what it is. That's my two cents. That's the way to compact it between the two. And, uh, yeah. So that being said, I want to talk to you guys about my experience at my first legit house show that WWE had. Now, you guys are listening to this probably on my birthday, because this is likely going to post on my birthday, so... I've recorded this on Thursday night, so it's the night before my birthday. So as you listen to this and you're probably saying, it's your birthday, happy birthday, highlight. Happy birthday, Prince of Botch. Thank you, thank you. I do appreciate you guys. This is amazing. Nonetheless, I treated myself to an early birthday present earlier in the week. WWE brought a live show to... Infinite Energy Arena. To those of you who don't know Infinite Energy Arena, that's an arena that is located in Duluth, Georgia, off Sugarloaf Parkway and Satellite Boulevard, right here in Gwinnett County, on the north side. North, north. Uh, (laughs) Nonetheless, last time they went there, I'm not going to lie, they brought Monday Night Raw there. That was like 2007, and I was there. I remember that because it was when WrestleMania 21 was being built up and I remember Randy Orton had RKO Jake the Snake because he was going against Undertaker at WrestleMania and Jericho introduced the money in the bank ladder match concept because to those of you who don't know, he did create that funny seeing as how he is in AEW It's going to be interesting going into next year to see if money in the bank is still a thing, seeing as how he did create that. That was a thought that just came to my mind, by the way. But, yes, going down memory lane, 2007, I believe that was the last time they were out this way. And, well, actually, I'm sorry, not 2007. It was really 2005, so that was a botch on my part. I was actually thinking of when I went to Backlash in 2007, but that wasn't in Gwinnett. That was definitely at State Farm Arena, Phillips Arena at the time. But recently when I went, my experience at a live show was very interesting. Live shows, a.k.a. house shows, WWE is the main company that does this nowadays. WCW probably did it back in the day when they were a thing. AEW hasn't really done them right now. I guess AEW Dark is probably the closest to that you'll get for now. But maybe down the line, they may or may not do house shows. Who really knows? Uh, Ring of Honor, I know, I believe does them. Uh, Impact does them. Uh, So, yeah, house shows are kind of really just, they're like, you could call them independent styled shows. They're shows that aren't really televised. They're just for the live audience only. And basically, you see matches that you probably won't see on television, or at least anytime soon. Uh, if you see it on television, that means they had a bunch of matches. Live shows are kind of like tune up shows. You know, it gives the talent a chance to develop chemistry with whoever they're going to be feuding with in the next few months so yeah live shows are pretty cool um so yeah it was weird being back in that arena you know because i thought about the last time i was there for that monday night raw and it was just like wow this is weird because you know infinite energy arena is definitely smaller than state farm but yet still a pretty big arena you can fit a lot of people in that arena though so It was weird, you know, seeing that house show setting, especially since I went to SmackDown earlier in the year and Monday Night Raw earlier in the year. So this was my trifecta of wrestling shows. So that was a major milestone for me because I had never really gone to a live wrestling show three times in one year. Uh, Normally for me, it would be Once a Blue Moon. You know, for WWE... I went once for every era. I went once for the Attitude Era. You know, I got to see Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and The Rock, and all of them in the Attitude Era. And I got to see the Ruthless Aggression Era with Batista and Randy Orton and all of those guys. Uh, And then, of course, the PG Era and all of that of today. So, yeah, interesting experience was that live show. I won't go match by match because it was basically a televised show called Starcade. Another spin-off of WCW that WWE attempted. They it was a live show, but they also aired like an hour of that on the network. Um, so yeah, if you have the WWE network, you can catch it. I can tell you that pretty much what you see. Is definitely not what you probably would hear in the live person so yeah the crowd was uh pretty dead but then pretty live at times so they were live for certain people like when rusev was out when he came out and ran through the crowd the way he did to beat up on bobby lashley the crowd went nuts rusev day chants were crazy when roman reigns came out crowd went nuts AJ Styles, he's from Gainesville, Georgia, so you know automatically he was going to get a crazy ovation. Um, Seth Rollins, to some degree, surprisingly, here in Atlanta, got a pretty good reception. Um, I'm trying. To, oh, and The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. By the way, his entrance in person is something spectacular. If you ever watch it on television, it's exactly the way you see it. Now, normally, given my experience and seeing live wrestling shows this year, now having been to Raw, SmackDown, and an actual live show, <laughs> it's amazing when you see an entrance on television and you see it live. It's, it's kind of like learning a magic trick behind closed doors. Now, Bray Wyatt's Fiend entrance is exactly the way you see it on television. When the lights go out, they go out. When it's dark, it's dark. And man, just to see all the cell phone lights and everything and actually experience that for the first time, that was dope. So I enjoyed that. Now, can I give you guys any juicy exclusives that came out of that live show that they didn't show you on the network? I will say that before the show started, where they had Kevin Owens in the ring, you know, and Ric Flair came out. Before all of that happened, we saw they gave us a match to start off the show where it was Seth Rollins versus Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan ended up losing by pinfall to Seth Rollins. And then they gave us The Miz versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IC title, which Shinsuke Nakamura ended up winning via interference from Sami Zayn. And that's when they did the one-hour show special of Starcade on the network. So again, if you saw that, everything you saw there was what you saw. And then right when that angle with Bobby Lashley and Rusev and all of that ended, basically at that point, that's when we saw. Let me see. I believe they gave us they gave us Randy Orton. They took an intermission. They took an intermission. Then they gave us Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. Randy Orton won via pinfall, RKO. They gave us, uh, oh, there was one more match, and I can't think of that one. But after that, the main event ended up basically being Bray Wyatt, Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman in a steel cage match. Now, you knew the steel cage was coming because of the fact that you could see the steel cage suspended above the ring the moment you walked in for me guys that was my first time seeing a steel cage in oh my gosh over almost 20 years i I was like seven years old the last time i saw a steel cage and that was uh when i lived in memphis it was my very first live wwf wrestling show in the attitude era it was when big show debuted as paul white fresh from wcw When he came from under the ring and he uh, threw Stone Cold around, Stone Cold went against Vince McMahon in a steel cage match, and the steel cage was black, that was my first time seeing a cage match live. And this was the first time in some years since I saw that. And I'm not going to lie, that cage was very small looking in person. TV really makes that cage look a lot bigger than it actually is. It's crazy. But then, also within being in the ring and given the seats that I had, maybe there's that aspect. So maybe I was fooling myself. Maybe it just looked smaller because of where I sat. Who knows? But Starcade was a fun experience. I met some great people, including an uh, up and coming indie tag team. I got to meet those brothers. Um, so I will be bringing them on the show very soon. So you guys stand and stay tuned for that. Cause I will be having a tag team future tag team champion tag team debuting right here on life's a Botch. And, uh, yeah, man. So I'm also going to try to get you guys, uh, one of the fans I connected with, I'm going to try to get you guys a guest and we can just cover the live fan experience what it basically means. If I can't get that guest on the show, I will do that as another episode for you guys where we'll talk about what it's like just being at a live show. Because some of my listeners out there probably have never been to a live WWE show or a live pro wrestling show for that matter, whether it was indie, whether it was legit WWE production style or whatever. So I want to, talk to you guys about that live experience and what it's like going to a live show, how much different of a feel it is from watching it on the comfort of your own home and things of that nature. So you guys stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, without further ado, it is now time for the one, the only two minute promo. And you know what? I'm going to make this a good one. So here we go. Guys, it is officially, well, at least by the time you hear this anyway, it is officially my 30th birthday. Gasp. Wow. 30 years young. 30 years of life. Let me tell you, man, life is too short to not be thankful for what we have. Let me tell you. I have learned so much in my 30 years of life, and I still have so much more to learn. And truth be told, no matter what age we are, we always find ourselves still processing and learning something. Even when we're married with kids and we're teaching our kids about life, we're still learning. But let me just say, 30 years, and I'd say probably at least 25 of that was spent as a wrestling fan. And, man, in the years of watching wrestling, it's crazy. I'm almost as old as WrestleMania, but not quite, because WrestleMania has me beat by about... I believe six years, seven years, something like that. But still, it's 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 crazy just knowing how much growth has happened. I feel like I was born in the perfect era, you know? The perfect era where wrestling was at its peak, where life was at its peak, living in the 90s when lyricism actually mattered for something, and 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 you got to see things and experience life before social media and before cell phones, but yet still young enough to be up to date with what goes on with social media and cell phones and future technology and things of that nature. So it's really amazing, y'all, to just sit back and reflect And to be able to just say the milestones that I'm still creating and getting ready to accomplish in this new chapter, the fact that you guys are listening to this very podcast and that I can sit here and do this for you on a consistent basis. By the time I hit 40, I'm hoping and praying that many of you guys will listen to this and it will grow and be on such of a higher platform than it is currently right now because OTS is going places, guys. And I believe in it. And I know that as it continues to rise above in so many ways and shapes and forms, we'll look back on episodes and conversations and two-minute promos such as this one, and we'll say, wow, look how far we came from yesterday. So I thank every last one of you who ride with me, who continue to support me, whether it be musically, whether it be through the podcast, or whether it just be because you think I'm one heck of a guy. 30 years young, 30 years of life, 30 years of lessons, 30 years of blessings. Check hashtag Feeling good, feeling great. Feeling great, feeling good. How are you? Yes, I had to end it with the outcast reference because I'm on the 30 and up club now, baby. I ain't ashamed and I ain't afraid to say it. That being said, thank you guys once again for tuning in to another episode of Life's a Botch podcast. This is your boy Highlight Real, a.k.a. The Prince of Botch. I'd like to thank my brother Derek Myers for always doing a great job producing the show. I'd like to thank the OTS family for we got content on top of content on top of content on top of content that we dropping out for y'all. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you the listener out there who makes all of this possible. And until the next time you guys be great. Enjoy your holidays. Just in case I don't catch it by Christmas I'm going to try to catch you by Christmas, but that's okay. Nonetheless, happy holidays to you all. Oh, and I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, by the way. I probably should have started it off with that one. Nonetheless, we out y'all. Peace.